Welcome to Bright Now, a podcast about parenting and educating talented kids, sponsored by the Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth. I'm your host, Jonathan Plucker, the Julian C. Stanley Endowed Professor of Talent Development at CTY and Johns Hopkins University. One of our guests in season three was Jennifer Jolly from the University of Alabama, uh, who is one of the world's authorities on homeschooling and parenting bright students. We talked about homeschooling, but we ran out of time to talk about parenting, so we invited Professor Jolly back to record this bonus episode. Jen, thanks for joining us again. Oh, no, no problem. Happy to be here. Someone once said to me in response to, actually it was my question about parenting bright kids, and I'm quoting, parenting gifted students, quote, isn't for wimps, unquote. And now that I've done it myself, boy, oh boy, was that person right. Can you talk about some of the ups and downs people experience when they're parenting advanced students? Sure. Just as an antidote, I remember somebody calling me and telling me, oh, my child just qualified or was identified for gifted ed. And I said, you know, I don't know whether to console you or congratulate you. So it is a, it is a fine line between the two, depending on the types of challenges you face. So I think one thing is that when parents are maybe struggling with their kid and don't really understand what's going on, and then they get the sort of gifted identification and there's like a name to it. Okay, now what do we do? And I think one of the sort of elation of now we have a name to sort of, you know, the challenge in the home or the challenge with the kid I think a lot of parents turn to schools and think, okay, well, now now what are we going to do? And I think the, the fall comes sometimes when they realize that the school doesn't have a lot of resources and options to be able to meet the needs of their, of their um, advanced or gifted learner. Someone described it to me once, Jen, that uh, parenting um, a bright student, advanced student, gifted student can be much lonelier than you think it will be. Just because you think, oh, there's going to be this community like there is for students with like special needs or especially parents of twice exceptional students, right, who do get this community, do get lots of support for their students' challenges, then they get identified as being very advanced, gifted, and they think, oh, okay, I'm going to have the same sort of support on this side, and they find out there's nothing there. Yeah, and I think one thing that we don't really talk about is the sort of stress that evokes in families and for parents and how that sort of bleeds into other parts of one's life. So, I mean, if you think about, let's say, approximately like 80% of families are composed of dual earners or single parents with children under the age of 18, and about 70% of mothers with children under the age of 18. So just think about the number of parents we have out there in the workforce. And then if you need to leave your job to go to school to advocate for your child, that really can create some very stressful situations for you, especially if you have a workplace that's not really flexible in allowing you to leave to go to your child's school. And then you bring that sort of anxiety back with you to work. It just bleeds into everything. And so I don't think we really recognize what the impact some of these scenarios that go on in schools have on the ecosystem of families. 
I definitely want to circle back to this at the end of okay. our conversation today, because I think there's a really powerful takeaway message there that you just hit on. But so another thing I'd like to tackle, and I know this will be controversial to some parents, and so I just beg them to let this play out and see where we go with it. But I do get worried that parents see a very academically advanced student as being very different and very special. And I think they can often conflate while they're really intellectually advanced, they're really good at this stuff, with the fact that everything that they experience is sort of part of that. So for example, you often see people post on social media that their profoundly gifted child is more prone to perfectionism or more prone to being depressed because of their academic talents. The research doesn't really back that up in my experience, but I wonder if you've run into that a lot. Well, I spend a lot of time on social media looking at groups of parents and, you know, the things they talk about and the things they post. And I do see a lot of that. And it does worry me because that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there might be a post about depression in gifted kids. Well, there's no research to really support that gifted kids suffer depression more than the general population of kids. So they just might have depression, but it doesn't have anything to do with them being gifted. And I think parents conflate the two things or they see it posted and it's sort of this bias confirmation. Oh, there. And then they start talking about their one specific example and then everybody starts to pile on. And really we needed to take everybody back to the beginning and say, really, we need to all step back and really look at what the literature says. And that's, that's not the case at all. I want to make sure the listeners are clear. We are in no way saying that gifted kids don't get depressed. Like it absolutely happens. There is mental illness. There are behavior problems. There are medical problems, but correlation doesn't equal causality. And uh, you just need to treat those things distinctly and not like one has caused the other. Definitely. I would completely agree with that statement. What else should our listeners know about about parenting gifted children? I mean, from the conversations you and I have had in the past, it's not the deepest research base. Like, do we know sorts of strategies that parents can use or things that parents should watch out for, pro and con? So I think that, so we do know some things about parenting gifted kids. And one of the things that we do have some data about is parent satisfaction with gifted programming. And I think they tend to identify some things that maybe new parents or parents that are out there can sort of understand, and then it will help them be better advocates for their kids at school. So one of them is that I think sometimes parents are a little uncertain about whether schools have the ability to sort of meet all the academic and social needs that their children have. And then maybe adding to that Often they feel like the programming options might be less than perfect, so maybe lack challenge or inadequate in some way. And then I think parents also experience a lack of communication from schools about programming and options for their kids and navigating the school system and the bureaucracy that that follows that. So that's some of the things that we've 
discovered from parents and that's in the literature itself. So I think if parents have an idea of maybe what they should expect, like what the expectations are in terms of what the school district can offer, and then how can they then supplement that themselves either through online programming or programming that's in their communities. Because I think one thing that parents should really understand is that the school itself is not going to be able to meet all of their child's academic and social needs. Some of it will come from school, but some of it's got to come from out-of-school experiences. Because schools just don't have the resources or the bandwidth to really support gifted kids in the ways that I think parents' expectations are. I should note here that uh, you and I will make sure that uh, the show notes has has some good resources for parents to sort of use to chase down those leads. Yep. So the point that I want to come back to at the end here is it is hard to be a parent with an academically advanced child, a bright child, a gifted child, because you have to do so much work, so much advocacy. Sometimes you feel very, very alone. And I just am interested in your thought. The first person who called this to my attention was our colleague, Scott Hunsaker, out in Utah. And at one of our conferences, he made an observation that parents within the special education community are so much better than parents within the gifted education community in terms of advocating for other kids. And there are lots of reasons for that probably, but the effect is that you become a special ed parent for life. And with gifted students, we just don't see that with parents that much. They really advocate for their child And then their child goes through school and they move on to other things and they don't remain an advocate. And the problem with that is there are so many parents then who have to reinvent the wheel every single time because they don't know other parents who have been through it, who have had the same, you know, negotiations with schools. And Scott's comment really has me thinking differently about, you know, how we create a community of parents that even after their child moves through the K-12 schools is still engaged in like passing their knowledge on to, to the parents of younger students. And I've seen that work in a couple of communities. I know in a couple of school districts in north of Dallas have done a really good job of creating from the ground up communities for gifted children and then passing their knowledge to new families that are coming in because you do gain a wealth of knowledge as you take your child through the school system in advocating for all of the kids. And I think those have been some models that have been really effective because as those families work together and form a critical mass, then you can go to the school, you can go to the school district and start advocating for a group of children that are really underserved in a lot of places. And I know in the community I live in, there's no um, parent group for gifted kids. And even though I know they're here, So that's, you know, I've talked to a couple of teachers at the school and they said, you know, that would really help us in our job dealing with our administration to be able to provide more services, better services, different services for kids. Because I think sometimes there's this adversarial role, I think, that parents and teachers take in situations where really 
you know, at the end of the day, we're all working to, should be working, and I think are working together uh, separately for the kids, but it takes a little while for them to come together. And so these parent groups, I think, would be a really great ally for teachers and then for other parents in an intact group to sort of bring along new parents and then leave sort of a model or a little bit of a legacy for those coming forward. I think both of us have uh, the same message here to parents, which is look for uh, support and then after you get it, uh, pay it forward afterwards. Please stay involved because you've learned so much that otherwise other parents have to learn from scratch, which is just really difficult. So please stay involved. And I, Jen, I thank you so much for joining with us today. This has been super, super helpful. Again, a, a reminder to uh, listeners to check out the show notes and we will uh, recap this episode and uh, make sure that there are lots of different resources there for you. See you in the next episode. That's it for this episode of Bright Now. Tell us what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes by emailing your suggestions to brightnowpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy Bright Now, support us by sharing the podcast with friends on social media, and be sure to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Bright Now is produced by Jonathan Pucker, Tracy Guerin, and Trisha Schellenbach. Audio production by Iris Starkangelo and the team at Clean Cuts, a three C's company. Our score was written by Austin Coughlin from Noise Distillery. Special thanks to CTY's Interim Executive Director, Amy Shelton. Bright Now is underwritten by the Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth, a nonprofit dedicated to identifying and developing the talents of academically advanced students worldwide. Find us on the web at cty.jhu.edu and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.